Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 through 18. Matthew 6, 1 through 18. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray together. Our Father, we give you thanks for your word this morning. We pray that you would use it now to mold and shape us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would use it and that it would penetrate our hearts and change us. That we would not leave here the same people. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What does a Christian look like? Is someone a Christian because they go to church every Sunday? Is someone a Christian because they go to a Bible study? Is someone a Christian because they dress a certain way? Is someone a Christian because you know they give money to the poor? Is someone a Christian because they pray in public? 
Is someone a Christian because you know they fast? It is possible to perform these acts of righteousness and still not be right with God. It is possible to practice these righteous acts and religious duties and still not be right with God. And that is scary. A person could attend church on a regular basis, pray in public, attend Bible studies, give money, and still not please God. What is evident, what is evident on the outside are moral actions, while their heart may be far from God. It is possible for us, it is possible for us as Christians to practice acts of righteousness and still not please God. We can be deceived, can't we? And in our passage, Jesus warns us against hypocrisy. He warns us against putting on a mask and pretending to be something that we are not. He warns us against performing religious actions in order to be seen by others. So Jesus reminds us of what life in the kingdom should look like for his followers when it comes to our righteous actions. Our acts of righteousness should flow from a heart that has been changed by God. And Jesus calls his followers to perform religious actions as an act of worship, as an act of worship to God. This is the surpassing righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. So consider with me the three examples that Jesus uses. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. So first, when you give. Look with me at verses 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. In verse 1, Jesus warns us of the motive of our hearts when it comes to our righteous actions. This is the verse that sets the stage for the three illustrations that he uses concerning giving, praying, and fasting. And he says, beware, pay special attention to the way in which you perform your acts of righteousness. Concentrate and focus on having a heart that does these actions to the praise and glory of God and not for the praise of others. This is what Jesus is addressing. 
He's concerned about the motive of our hearts. He's concerned about our motive and our hearts and the actions that we perform. It involves worship. It involves worship. Our righteous actions that we perform are either done so that God will be worshipped or so that we will be worshipped. Our righteous actions are either done for the sake of God's praise or our own. And Jesus warns us against practicing our righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. His concern is not that our righteous acts might become evident to those around us, which is what we see in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds and give glory to who? To your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is not concerned that our acts might be evident to those around us. But he's concerned with the heart that does these religious actions in order to be seen. You catch the difference? In order to be seen by others, so that we get the praise. Our actions must be centered on God's glory and praise and not our own. So the first example Jesus uses is the act of giving. Verse 2, thus when you give to the needy. Jesus expects his followers to give when you give to the needy. Jesus does not say if you give, but when you give. Jesus expects his followers to look out for the needs of the poor and to help those who are in need. This is a reminder that as Christians, we are obligated to perform acts of righteousness, aren't we? We are called to live in obedience to the commands of Jesus Christ. We must not have the mindset that I am saved by grace and I don't have to obey anything. We must not have that mindset that I'm saved by grace and I don't have to obey. I'm free to live however I please. We must not have that mindset. Rather, being saved by God's grace which we have if you're a Christian this morning, being saved by God's grace should lead to a heart that overflows with love and concern for those in need. Do you see the difference? Being saved by God's grace should lead to a heart that overflows with helping those in need. Jesus teaches us that it is necessary to give, and we should give. But how we give is most important. How we give is what matters most. So Jesus says, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. The hypocrite who pretends to be something he is not will give. The hypocrite will give. Because he is motivated by the praise of man. The hypocrite gives because he cares more about his own reputation than helping the poor. So he gives in the public 
places where everyone can see and admire him for his righteousness. And those who give in order to be recognized by others have received their reward. They want praise from man because of their actions. And that's what they receive and nothing else. So how are we to give? How are we to give? Verse 3, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. What Jesus means by this statement is that our giving should be done in complete secrecy and total privacy. Again, he is concerned with our heart. He's concerned with the heart. Giving is intended to be an action that is done privately in order to please God. When we give generously, not to be seen or admired by others, our giving becomes an act of worship to God. And we see in verse 4 that God rewards those who give in this way, doesn't he? Now, Jesus doesn't say what the reward is, only that he will reward his followers in secret. So we must be careful not to think that if I give then I expect some great reward from God. Therefore, I'll only give because I know I'm going to get some reward. We must not think like that. We must be careful not to think that if I give away money, that God is going to give me a large house, a new car, or whatever else you might be hoping for. Rather, the point is this. We are to give and give generously because we love God our Father and we love others and have a genuine concern for helping those in need. We have a genuine concern for the people that God has made. We are to give as an expression of our grateful hearts, as an expression of our thankfulness to God for giving us the greatest gift of all which is Jesus Christ. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. God the Father saw us in a weak, in our weak, helpless condition. And he gave his son for us. Paul says in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So may we see God, may we see Jesus Christ as our delight and our reward. And may we give generously and graciously because all we have is a gift from God. And may our giving be an act of worship to God as we show his compassion and his concern for those in need. Second, when you pray, when you pray, just as giving must not be done to increase our own reputation, so also prayer must not be done to impress others. 
So Jesus provides the example of prayer as the second act of righteousness that must be done as an act of worship to God. Look with me at verses 5 through 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As Jesus addresses the action of prayer, he says, You must not be like the hypocrites or as the Gentiles. Again, the motivation of the hypocrite is to be seen by others, that people would be impressed by them and praise them. And the Gentiles, who heaped up empty phrases, prayed at great length, thinking that they could persuade or control or manipulate God with their many words. Our prayer life must be an act of worship. Our prayer life should display our complete dependence upon God so that He is praised and not us, which is why Jesus calls us to have a private prayer life. When we pray in private, without any desire for others to notice us, we are worshiping God. And God sees our dependence upon Him, and He will reward us. So we are not to pray like the hypocrites, and we're not to pray like the Gentiles. So how then should we pray? Jesus provides here a model of prayer, which is intended to be a guide for us. Notice what Jesus says in verse 9. Verse 9, pray then like this. This is the model. This is an an outline for the type of prayer that Jesus intends for his followers to pray. The prayer can be divided up into two parts. The first three petitions are God-oriented. The first three petitions are God-oriented, and the last three petitions are community-oriented, us-oriented. Look with me again at verse 9. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Jesus begins by drawing our attention to our relationship with God as a community of believers. We are His children. He is our Father. He is our Father. As brothers and sisters in Christ, God is our Father. 
We have a relationship with him through his son, the Lord Jesus, who died on the cross for us. Jesus restored this broken relationship, and now by faith in him, we can draw near to God and call him our Father. We have an intimate relationship with the Father through His Son. Our Father in Heaven. This speaks of God's transcendence. He is infinitely great. He is exalted over all things. The one in whom we have an intimate relationship with is the one who is supreme over all things. He is the one who dwells in splendor and power and majesty and glory. Our Father in heaven. Consider with me the three petitions, which are God-oriented, they're God-focused. Look with me at the last part of verse 9. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let me say that again. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. This is a request for God's name to be seen and treated as holy and set apart and distinct from all others. When we come to God in prayer, we should express who He is. And we should express our desire to see His name honored and glorified. Verse 10, Your kingdom come. This is a plea for God's kingdom, for God's saving reign to invade this present evil age. As we've seen throughout Matthew's gospel account, God's kingdom has arrived in Jesus. God's saving reign has come in Jesus already, but not yet in its fullness. And so now we pray that God's kingdom would come in its fullness, that all evil would be destroyed, and that people would submit to Jesus, and that He would reign over all on this earth. That is my prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We are to petition with God that His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to long for God's will to be accomplished here on this earth. And brothers and sisters, if we pray like this, we should live like this as well, shouldn't we? Listen to what Jesus prayed in Luke 22:42. Luke 22:42. Jesus knelt down and prayed, saying, "Father, if you are willing, 
Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And then Jesus accomplished the Father's will by going to the cross and drinking the cup of God's wrath for us. To pray that God's will be done in the world and in our lives on a daily basis may involve sacrifice. Because we are acknowledging that our will may not be aligned with God's will. So in our first petitions with God our Father, may we plead for his name to be set apart, for his saving reign in Christ to come to this earth, and that his will would be accomplished. And Jesus now transitions and focuses on the requests of the community of believers. He provides three petitions that emphasize our personal needs. Did you catch that when we read it? Look with me at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus calls us to ask God to supply our needs, our personal daily needs. And when we ask God to provide daily bread, we acknowledge, we are acknowledging our complete dependence upon Him. God is the one who provides for us, and we are to depend upon Him and call upon Him on a daily basis. In verse 12, we petition with God to forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. With this request, we move from our physical needs to now our spiritual needs. When we ask God to forgive our debts or our sins, we recognize that we have sinned against Him. We are debtors to mercy alone, pleading for God to remove our transgressions from view. If you're an unbeliever here this morning, we are debtors. All of us are debtors to mercy. All of us. We need forgiveness. We need our sins removed from us. And if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So I plead with you, I plead with everyone this morning, Place your faith in Jesus Christ. Turn to Jesus and you will be saved. And thanks be to God because Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we might be forgiven of all our sins. All our sins have been washed and made white. We have been made white in the blood of the Lamb. 
In Christ we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And what should characterize us as his followers is that we continue to confess our sins, knowing that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And our experience of forgiveness must result in a changed heart that is willing to forgive others when they sin against us. And finally, Jesus says we are to ask God to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil. In other words, we are asking God to give us strength so that we don't give in to temptation. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. That is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So may we ask God to help us and enable us to not yield to temptation and to the temptations of the evil one. May we ask God to deliver us from Satan and from sin. If left on our own, if left on our own, we would fall and fail every time we are tempted. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. So brothers and sisters, I am convinced that Martin Lloyd-Jones is right when he says that prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. May we come to God in prayer for our own spiritual growth and for the growth of one another. May we long for his kingdom to come and his will to be done here on this earth. May we depend upon him for our physical needs and for our spiritual needs. And may we plead that he would give us strength and sustain us in the midst of our temptations. I would encourage you, I would encourage you to use our church directory. We just got the church directories. That you would use them as a prayer directory. Pray for one another in this way. Pray that God's name, when you, when you go through the names... Pray that God's name would be honored in that person's life. Pray that God would meet their physical needs and their spiritual needs. Pray for that person that God would strengthen them and sustain them during their times of temptation. Let's be a people that are characterized by prayer. I need prayer every single day. 
we all need prayer every day. May we not forget that. Let's be characterized as those who depend upon God every single day. Third and finally and quickly, when you fast, when you fast, and Jesus concludes with a section on fasting, just as we are to give and pray, so also we are to fast. Our fasting must also, must also be done as an act of worship to God and must not be done in order, to be, in order to impress others with our devotion and dedication to God. And Jesus will further unpack fasting in Matthew chapter 9. And what we see is that the disciples will fast after Jesus is gone. And their fasting will express their heart's longing for him. We see here again in this section that fasting is intended to direct our attention to God. Jesus is concerned with our heart when it comes to fasting. The hypocrites, the hypocrites would fast and look unrecognizable, disfiguring their face. They would look unrecognizable so that everyone would recognize that they were fasting. And that everyone would recognize that they were dedicated to God. They missed the point of fasting. One of the purposes of fasting is to remind us that God is to be, is to be supreme in our lives. When we fast, we are hungering and longing for Christ more than food, more than our daily physical needs. So fasting, for the sake of being praised by others, destroys the aim of fasting. So when we fast, may we do so in such a way that does not draw attention to ourselves. May our fasting reveal in secret that we want God to be first place in our lives, that He is the highest priority in our lives. I would encourage you that when you fast, Whatever you fast from, I know that some can't fast from food for health reasons. So whatever you fast, whatever you fast from, when you do so, I pray that you would do so in such a way that is an act of worship to God. I pray that you would use that time to increase your longing for Christ more than the thing that you are giving up. So as we close, as we close, may we remember not to perform our righteous actions like the hypocrites. May we not put on a mask on Sunday in public, but in secret from a genuine heart that has been changed by God from a heart that seeks to worship God every day of the week in public and in private with sincere motives. May our righteous actions bring God glory and praise. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, It is our heart's desire 
because we have been changed by you, to bring you glory and praise in our religious duties and in our righteous actions. Might your spirit work in us to convict us of sin if we haven't been giving or praying or fasting in a way that pleases you. We give you thanks that you forgive us of our sins because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So may that love that you have shown us overflow in acts of worship to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.